Hey, how are we doing? Good to see you, Parkview. Yes. Yes, indeed. Everybody around Orland Park, everybody at New Linux, everybody Homer Glenn, everybody online, Facebook Live, uh, broadcasting out all over the place. Glad you're here as we continue this Not Your Average <clears throat> series. And uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to be an above average weekend. I really do. <clears throat> so uh, I'm glad you're here. And uh, also, I just want to just uh, really quickly add some of my energy and some of my uh, thoughts to the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. I know he was around here last weekend at the Parkview campuses. And I just want you to know that in my life <clears throat> and my wife and my kids, we've been through Financial Peace University and, and through the last few years. Uh, it, has, it has been so huge for us, and uh, it's really helped level up our life, and, and I think it can do that for you, and not just for you, but for your kids and your grandkids and the way you view money. A lot of those principles that I've learned there have helped me to live in a way financially that not always is uh, possible for people to live, and I think it'll be the same for you. So <clears throat> I'm glad. Uh, that we're diving in and getting to be uh, a part of that uh, here in this coming week. Uh, it's also uh, Super Bowl weekend, which is a super fun time uh, for us to celebrate around here at Farfune. And just, I, I'm just kind of curious here with the Super Bowl, are there any San Francisco fans uh, in the house around here? Any campuses? Uh, all right, there's, there's 11 of you. <clears throat> Great. What about Chiefs fans? Any, any Chiefs fans? <clears throat> all right. All right. Uh, you know, over the last uh, week or so, I've been interacting with all kinds of people about the big game and, and here in Chicagoland and on campus this weekend. People are, people are regularly coming up to me or, or, you know, Instagram or Facebook, but just in person saying, Todd, can, can you help me out with the game? I, I need, you're a pastor. You have a line to God. I need to know who wins. And I know why many of you need to know who wins. You're like, you need to help me out. And, you know, Pastor Tim is usually preaching on Super Bowl weekends, and he has, you know, divine guidance usually on this sort of thing. And, and so I, I'm sitting here. I, I tell you, I felt a little bad the last few days because I really don't have, I didn't have anything to give. I didn't have a divine insight from God on it and stuff. So I did the only thing I knew how to do. I texted Pastor Tim. <clears throat> And, you know, because he has become so wise in his old age, and he, uh, no, sorry, sorry, no, sorry, don't tell him that. Tell him the wise thing, but not the old thing. Um, so, so I text him, and, and I said, Tim, you got to help me out because they're going to be expecting this, and there's a lot of people who want to know about the Super Bowl and that sort of thing. They expect that, you know, that kind of divine guidance. And he said, oh, Todd, it's easy. It's easy. Let, let me give you some guidance. Let me, let me give you some uh, scripture for that. And he said, Todd, have you seen uh, Exodus chapter 10 or Exodus chapter 15? Verse 15. And so I said, no, I haven't. So I looked it up, and here's what it said. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders, they will be seized with trembling, and the people, they will melt away. And so I'm texting with Tim. I'm saying, Tim, I, are, so are you saying that the chiefs are, are going to melt away? Are you saying the chiefs are not going to win this? And, and I, I'm telling you, I was distraught from that because, listen, 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 Parker, I was born and raised in Kansas City. And, and, and underneath it all, I need to tell you this, underneath it all, I am a Chiefs fan, okay? So I'm just, I'm telling you, and for some of you, you can't take that. So I'm just, it's right back up, okay? I'm a Chiefs, I'm a Chiefs fan. And so I'm like, Tim, then he said, hey, Todd, 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 hold on a minute, hold on a minute. And he said, Todd, do you have a Bible? And I said, yeah, I have a Bible. And so he said, hold your Bible up in the air. So I held my Bible up in the air. And he said, are, are the pages ruffling? I said, yeah, the pages are ruffling. And he said, just let them ruffle. And so I just let the pages ruffle. 
And, and he said, now bring your Bible down. And so I brought the Bible down. And he said, now look at where you are in your Bible. And so I looked down in my Bible. And I was in Job chapter 4, verse 9. 4, 49ers. Nine. 49ers. So I took that as a word about the 49ers. Okay, Job chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 9. Here's what it says. And the breath of God, they will perish at the blast of his anger. They are no more. The 49ers. And I'm thinking, Tim, I'm, 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 I'm like, this is confusing. I don't know what. So are they going to get blasted away? Are the chiefs going to melt away? I don't understand what's going on. And when this was happening, I know this sounds a little strange, though it, it's already probably been strange. We both hear like this angelic voice. We're not together, but we hear this angelic voice. And the angelic voice, you know, kind of says that don't take your eyes off Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback. He has been the chief shepherd of the chiefs, of his team for many victories. He has shepherded the chiefs to many victories. And that's what we keep hearing in this voice. And then the voice also says, don't forget 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And so I'm like, well, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, what's that about? And when the chief shepherd, the chief's shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. So there you go, Parkview! Looks like the Chiefs win uh, the big game. That's directly from Pastor Tim and loosely from the word. Um, <laughs> kind of fun, you know, and you're like, Todd, why are you spending all this time on that? And, what, you know, and here's, 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 here's why. I'd pull this uh, in, in, in together with this weekend. Uh, this, this weekend and today, uh, there's going to be a lot of people giving a lot of value and time and energy and money and reverence and awe. And really, you could call it worship uh, to these folks, to these teams, to these athletes. And, and they're phenomenal athletes, but we're just, we're going to give them all kinds of praise, all kinds of glory, all kinds of reverence. And so I thought maybe on a weekend like this, we should spend some time just talking about worship, what it is to worship and give reverence and give awe to different things. And to kind of get us all going in the same direction, let me just make this statement. Every single one of you, on all of our campuses, everybody online, all of you are great worshipers. You really are. You, you are phenomenal worshipers. And I know right now some of you are thinking, well, Todd, okay, okay, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily phenomenal at worshiping. I mean, you don't really know me. And Todd, by the way, just a few minutes ago when we were singing and everyone was, you know, singing, it looked like I was singing, but I wasn't. My mouth was like, I wasn't really singing. Okay, I, I, didn't, I don't sing. I don't sing. So I don't know how you can say I'm a great worshiper because I'm not really singing. And so when everybody was clapping, you had everybody clapping for the song, stuff like that. It looked like I was clapping because I wanted to fit in, but I weren't, I, my hands weren't even touching. I wasn't really, I, I, I wasn't really clapping. And, and, and maybe you're thinking, Todd, okay, okay, here's the thing. People who are great worshipers, they like raise their hands and they really get into it. Todd, listen, I've never, I don't think I've ever raised my hands. I don't think I've ever raised my hands in worship, so I don't know how you would say I'm a great <clears throat> worshiper. Some of you are thinking, uh, who are on campus, or some of you who uh, may be online are thinking, Todd, I, I, don't, I don't go to church. I'm not usually at church. I'm usually doing all kinds of other things on the weekend, so, so I'm not really a church person. I don't know how you would say I'm a great worshiper. And here's what I would, here's, here would be my reply. You don't have to sing. You don't have to clap. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't even have to go to church to worship. Worship is not 
what religious people do. Worship is what every single person on this planet does. Check this out. Everyone worships. Everyone worships. It's one of the most natural and instinctive things that we do as human beings. The reason I can say that is because of what the word worship really means. If you look at the original word in the Bible, the word worship is the word proskuneo. Everybody say proskuneo. Proskuneo. And it means to give reverence to something or to give worth to something. Worthship. To worship something is to give worth to something. And when God created you, when God created me, when God designed us, he wove in to us an inescapable desire to give honor and to give worth and to give value to all kinds of things. And of course, his intention is that we would give honor and worth and worship to him, right? But you all know what has happened in our world in recent centuries is that a lot of our world has forgotten this truth. A lot of our world has decided that God is no longer worth their worship. And so they said, I'm out on God. I'm out on church. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be a worshiper like my grandparents or my parents or my uncle or whoever it is. I'm not going to worship God anymore. But even though many people, and think about this, our friends, some of our friends, maybe some of you, some of your grandkids, some of your neighbors, some of your classmates, some of your coworkers, they've, they have escaped worshiping God. They've said, I'm out on worshiping God, but yet they haven't been able to escape giving worth to something, giving value to something, giving time and energy and affection. You can escape worshiping God, but then you give time and energy and affection and value and praise to something else because you and I were made to give worth-ship to things. And take a look for just about 30 seconds at this short video uh, that the creative team around here made showing how good we are at giving worth to things in this world. Take a look at this. <laughs> right? We're just good at it, man. We're good at giving praise and honor and worth and time and attention and affection to all kinds of things. It's wired into us. We are not your average worshipers. We are, we are great at it. And sometimes when we decide we're not going to worship God anymore, what we start doing is worshiping all kinds of other people. And we love to put people up on pedestals and worship them. There's all kinds of people we do this with. Maybe one of them is, is T-Swizz, Taylor Swift. She's fantastic. She's phenomenal, right? She has all kinds of people just praising and giving honor and glory to her. Or what about this gal? Do you know her? Billie Eilish, who just last week, she swept the Grammys. All kinds of people giving praise and all kinds of fans, you know, giving reverence uh, to, to her. Or what about this, Pastor Tim? Or no, wait a minute. Uh, so, looks a little bit, you know, whiskers. Brad Pitt, I mean, all kinds of movie stars and things like that. You know, we're just we're giving all our energy and affection and so much time to them. Or, or maybe this guy, Patrick. This weekend, there's going to be so many people, right, just chanting and screaming and cheering. And I'm telling you. It's just built into us. It's what we love to do. We're created to give worth and value and reverence to things. And a lot of times you do that with people. Or maybe this guy, you don't even need to see his face. It's, it's just LeBron, right? And there's all kinds of people around the country and in L.A. who just give reverence and honor to him. 
Or sometimes it's not, not people. Sometimes you move on and it's not just people, but it's teams all, all around Chicagoland, right? We have all kinds of teams and we go and we cheer and we get rowdy and we lift our hands and, and we get excited and become fans of all kinds of different teams. Or maybe it's not sports at all or different teams. Maybe it's, maybe it's this. This is an Apple store. <laughs> and... You know, several times or every other year, there's products released and people, they get in these big lines and sometimes people camp out for days. Sometimes people have camped out for weeks. A lot of times it's to get one of like these little like iPhone things, one of these. And, and we go and we camp out and we get in line and then, and then we pay all kinds of money. We'll pay like hundreds or even a thousand dollars for this. And it's, it's amazing. And, and then almost as soon as we get the new phone, you know what so many of us do? We spend another 50 or a hundred or $120 and we put a case around it. Because it's so precious and it's so, I mean, take a look at this. This is what I got. I just got it. And it's, just, it's, it's in a case. I'm protecting it because it's so valuable. And, and then a lot of times we add insurance to the case. So we get a case and then we add insurance to the case. And, and it's just so precious. So precious. And so, and so we give value and work to all kinds. It's just in us to do that. Or, or maybe it's not Apple products. Maybe it's, it's vintage cars or buses. I have a problem with this one of just, you know, revering these kinds of things. Or maybe for you, it's not cars. Maybe it's uh, motorcycles or a Harley or something like that. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's food. You spend a lot of time, you know, and trying to get the right food and it takes a lot of your attention and affection and that sort of thing. Or maybe it's not just that. Maybe sometimes it's even our families. It's so easy for families to take our kids and really worship them and everything they do and put our kids in the middle of our family and then everything revolves around our kids and instead of putting God at the middle of our families and then grabbing hands with our kids and everybody going around our father and God and so it's just it's it's easy to get mixed up in some of these things of worship and here's my thing I'm not trying to offend anyone with any of this I'm just trying to expose us again all to the fact that everyone worships it's just a matter of what and when. We're great worshipers. And to get a little more insight into this, I want us to look in the Bible in John chapter 4. If you have a Bible in John chapter 4, if, if you have one of those smartphones with a case on it and insurance, um, John chapter 4, you're going to love this. John chapter 4, uh, if you have a tablet or whatever it is, or write this down, John chapter 4 is one of the most incredible Places in the Bible about what worship really is and what it looks like. And so let me tell you what's going on in John chapter 4, and then we'll kind of just study and pull it apart for a little bit. In John chapter 4, Jesus is with his best friends, his disciples, and they travel to this little town, and they stop at this well so they can get something to drink, some water. And as Jesus is sitting there, he gets into this conversation with this woman at this well. And he begins to talk to her, and he, he actually begins to point out all kinds of things to her in her life that she never told him, stuff that he really could never know. And she gets a little freaked out by this. Like, how do you know all this stuff about me? And, and Jesus ends up saying, okay, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you go back home, get your husband, and bring your husband back here, and then we can just kind of keep the conversation going. And the woman says, well, actually, um, I, I don't have a husband, and Jesus says, I know you're right to say you don't have a husband. You've actually had five husbands, and the guy that you're with right now is not your husband. Oh. And she's like, whoa, whoa. She's, she's got to be a little embarrassed, kind of just a little, you know, freaked out by that. And so in, 
her reply is right here in John chapter 4, verse 19, when Jesus says all those things. She Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. No kidding, right? You're telling me all kinds of stuff that no one has even known about me. You're some kind of prophet. You may be the Messiah. I may be setting with the Son of God. That may be who Jesus is. And so, so here's, this is so amazing. This woman realizes how unique this is. She is setting just her with a prophet. This would never happen. She, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for her. I'm with this prophet. This could be the Son of God. So what she decides to do is she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to ask my big question. I may never get this opportunity again. I'm going to ask this guy the question that's been on my heart. And in the very next verse, that's what she does. She asks her big question. Verse 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Did you get it? There she is alone with Jesus. She's alone with this prophet. And her big question is, where do we go to worship? Where do we go to worship? Jesus, is is it up on the mountain or is it in the temple in Jerusalem? Where, Where is it that we go to worship? And to understand this, you have to understand that this lady was a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan people had up on Mount Gerizim. They had built altars to Abraham and to Moses, and they would go up there and worship God. That's where they believed they could worship God. The Jewish people believed that God lived in the temple and made his presence there, and he lived there, and they should worship there. And I know it seems kind of silly. This is her big question. This is her moment. She's never going to have it again. And her big question is, (laughs) where do we go to worship? And before we get too down on her... I think we have to realize this is still a question that we are all asking even today. It's it's like, who has it right? Who really has it right when it comes to church and when it comes to worship? Is it Presbyterian or is it Baptist? Like, like who, who has that right? Is it Catholic or is it Lutheran? Is it Saturday nights that we should be going or is it Sunday mornings? Is it choruses or hymns? Is it choirs or praise teams? Should we dress up or should we just dress down? Is it big, huge churches or is it more like house churches? Is it expository, verse-by-verse teaching or is it more topical teaching? Which is it? Like, who has it right? Here's, here's, here, like, here's what we want to know a lot of times. Here's what you, know, you would say, Todd, Todd, here's, here's, Todd, here's what I just want to know. What church would God go to? If you could just tell me that, there's a lot of churches around Chicagoland. I'm loving Parkview, but here's what I need to know. Here's what I need to know. What church would God be at? What church would God go to? Because then wherever that is, that's where I want to go and be with him. That's what we think a lot of times in our lives. Where's God at? Who has it right? That's the exact same thing that this woman is wanting desperately to know and asking Jesus, what church, where is God at. And he replies to her in John chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus declared, believe me, woman. Or, I don't think he says it like that. I just, that was, I'm still, that was, that was pretty like bold, wasn't it? Believe me, woman. I don't think, I think he was probably much more kind and gentle. I got to calm down. Okay. Calm down, Todd. Super Bowl weekend. I'm a little amped. Let's try this again. Jesus declared, 
<laughs> Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And the woman has to be thinking, all right, okay, okay, wait a minute. All I need to know is where to go. All I need to know is do I go to the temple or do I go up to the mountain? Which one is right? And, and what you're telling me is that it's neither of them. And then Jesus says something that has radically altered worship ever since. From that day into the day that we're living right now. Here's what Jesus responds and says. Yet a time has come and is now, as time is coming and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So what does this mean? Well, in order to really understand and grasp Jesus' incredible spirit and truth teaching on worship, we have to understand the system of worship that this lady he's speaking to and really all of the people in communities then were accustomed to. All of them were accustomed to the Old Testament system of worship. And in the Old Testament system of worship, it was always related to a certain time and a certain place. You go to this place at this time and worship God. You go to this place at this time. And that's what they had all been accustomed to for centuries. That's why the lady asks, where do we go? Do we go up to the mountain or do we go to the temple? Who has it right? I know we got to go to a certain place at a certain time for that kind of worship to happen and give those sacrifices and such. Who has it right? And what Jesus is trying to communicate to this woman, and, and also I think by extension he wants us to understand and begin to live out in our lives even today, is this, that God is no longer just about places of worship. He's no longer just about places of worship. God is seeking people of worship. It's not just a place of worship, it's a person of worship. And that changes the whole game. That is not your average worship. I love the way Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? I think when Paul is speaking this to people, he's, he says, okay, come on, come on, get, get, gather around. Everybody get over here. I, I've got to share something with you. This is incredible. And, and he says, listen, don't you know? Seriously, don't, don't you realize that God now lives in you? You get it, right? You understand that, right? That you are God's temple. It's not just a place, but it's a person of worship. This week, I asked some of the uh, team at Parkview to go to the store and, and buy for me a bunch of big plastic containers. And I had this thought that we can use these plastic containers to, to really understand some of this teaching in John chapter 4 and, and what 
worship looked like in Old Testament times for many centuries and what worship looks like for us today in, in New Testament times. And so we'll, so we'll give this a, a shot. You, you have the Old Testament, right, that we've been talking about. In the Old Testament, you have the temple is where everybody went. And then you also had a couple other elements in the Old Testament. You have, you have God here and you have you, right? And so we've talked a little bit about that, and, and the Scripture is pretty clear, and we've preached about this around Parkview at different times of the year, that, that God, and, and when it comes to those times in the first century and Old Testament times, God would make his dwelling place with his people in the temple. That we've talked about the Holy of Holies before where God was at and people would go visit him and, and that sort of thing. So, so God's presence is inside the temple. He occupies, I don't know exactly even how it happens, but he occupies space in here in the temple. And then you have you living in first century times in this system of worship. And I don't know exactly what you do. This is you in first century times. Times and maybe you take care of sheep or something like that. You're a shepherd and you know, so you're out with your sheep, or I don't know, maybe you, you know, are making sandals, really cool sandals, you know, and stuff. And you got like extra straps on your sandals, and everybody's like, Whoa, look at her sandals, those are awesome. And so I don't know what you're doing, but or maybe you're making tents or something like that. But this, this, this is you, okay? This is you in the first century. And, and so you would do your work, whatever it is, uh, you know, and then maybe on the weekend, on Saturday, you would decide to go, you would go to the temple to worship and you would meet God there and you would feel his power and you would feel his presence and maybe you would bring a dove or something with you and you would make a sacrifice to God and you would worship him and you would give awe and reverence and honor and glory to him and then after you had done that and after you had made your sacrifice you would leave and you would go on with your week but God would stay there his power and his presence would remain and occupy that space that's where he would reside you see this is why in John chapter 4, this is why the woman's big question is this. Hey, listen, listen. I just need you to tell me, where is God at? Where do we go to worship? Is it the mountain or is it over there in the temple? Because wherever he is at, that's where I want to be with him, worshiping him. And this is the way worship looked for centuries, for thousands of years. Now today, we live in New Testament times, and we basically have the same three elements. You have New Testament, you have the temple, which is the church. You know, we don't really call it the temple as much anymore. It's the church, it's this place. And then you have you, and then you have God. But what we know now, and we've been studying even today, is that God doesn't live in the church. God doesn't live in the temple and reside here. God lives where? In you, right? He lives in you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pop the top off you and put God in there. He, it's kind of a tight squeeze, but he can fit, okay? And I'm going I'm to put the lid on. He can breathe. He's God, okay? So this, this is you, this is now you in the day and age. This is not your average worship. It's God living in you. So you go on with your week this week, and maybe you're a school teacher, or maybe you're a dentist, or maybe you're in real estate, or I don't, I don't know what it is you do, but you go on with your week, and you're doing all your things, and then on the weekend, you decide to come to one of the Parkview campuses, and you come here, but when you come, you don't come here to meet God. You bring God here with you because he lives here inside of you 
and inside of me, and we sing, and we worship, and we give him praise while we're on a campus like this, and then when it's over in about an hour, you leave, and God doesn't stay in here in this space. He leaves with you. Maybe later on in the week, you decide to come back to a campus. Maybe you decide later on in the week to come back to FPU, Financial Peace University. And so you come back to FPU, and you do FPU, and when you leave FPU, God leaves with you from FPU, right? He doesn't stay here. He doesn't stay here and clean up stuff, and he goes with you. And, and what, 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 this is what your life looks like. This is what my life looks like now. And what Jesus is doing in John chapter 4 is, is he is just shattering the walls of that time and place system of worship. You see, here's what had been happening. Worship had become all about a place, and what God is looking for is a person. It's not just a place of worship, it's a person of worship. Don't you know, don't, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God lives in you? Now, to be honest, to just be so transparent with all of us today, many of us, myself included, get pretty comfortable with a time and place system of worship, an average system of worship, a time and place. And we can just come in on the weekend. We can pick a Parkview campus and come on Saturday night or Sunday morning, and we come into our campus, and we call it the worship service, right? I'm going to go to worship. Anybody going to worship? Okay, I'm going to go to worship. Everybody get in the car. We're going to go to worship. And we hire worship leaders. How many of you know we have some of the most incredible worship leaders around on our Parkview campuses? We really do, right? I mean, they're phenomenal. It's incredible. And they put together worship teams and worship bands and they put worship lyrics up and songs and lights and things like that. And I want you to know that all of that is needed. All of that is so important. God calls us, don't miss this, God calls us to worship together at a certain time and a certain place. Hebrews in the Bible tells us, do not give up meeting together some are in the habit of doing. God calls us to link arms and hearts and worship like this. He calls us to this, but don't miss this. He no longer confines worship to a certain time and certain place. He calls us to be here together, but he no longer confines worship to a certain time and certain place because God doesn't live in a church. God lives in you. And so the worship service doesn't just happen anymore on a Saturday or Sunday. The truth of the matter is, you and me, we are the worship service. It, it's, it's our lives. And I know some of you right now are saying, okay, Todd, 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 okay, stop, stop, stop. I don't know if I like that. My life being a worship service, I don't know that I'm a very good worship service. If you could see me during the week, listen, listen, I understand. We may not feel like we're a very good worship service, but here's what I want you to know. From heaven's perspective, it doesn't matter, because from heaven's perspective, you and me, we are a worship service. It's not your average worship because we have God. As mysterious as this is, I know, taking up residence in us. I love the way Romans chapter 12 says this. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers... In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then catch this. This is your spiritual act of 
worship. What does it mean for you to worship? How is it that I worship? It's by offering our bodies, offering our lives as living sacrifices. That's what worship looks like these days, the era of humanity that we are living in, offering our lives as sacrifices. That's what worship is. And and essentially, we're meant to be this, walking worship services. Would you repeat that with me out loud? Walking worship services. That's us. You're a walking worship service, and so am I. You say, Todd, what what, what, what does that look like? Let me give you just a couple examples, then we'll pull this all together and head out into a brand new Super Bowl weekend and week. Here's a couple examples. Let's just say that you're going to work later on this week. And instead of going to work and just giving a couple good hours in the morning and then taking an extra long two-hour lunch and surfing the internet all afternoon, instead of doing that, you decide, man, I'm going to give a full morning's work. I'm going to take my normal, what I'm supposed to do, 45 or so minute lunch, and then I'm going to give a good afternoon of work right there. Guess what? Right there at your work, you just worshiped. Because you said, I'm going I'm to give glory to God by giving my employer what they deserve, what I've said I will give to them. So right there at your work, you just worshiped. Students, junior high, high school, college, maybe later on this week you have an exam coming. You get back to school this week and you find that the answers to this exam are floating all around. Everybody's got the answers and everybody's going to use them and ace the test. And and frankly, it doesn't even seem like the teacher cares if people use the answers. And you have the answers. Somebody's given them to you. But you make a decision. I'm not going to use them. I'm going to study and I'm going to get the grade I'm going to get because I'm not going to cheat on this. I'm a worship service. I have God living in me. I'm representing him. I'm going I'm to live for him. And guess what, students? Right there at your school, you just worshiped. You're giving God your best and you're honoring him with your life. Maybe this weekend, one other example would be it's Super Bowl weekend. And, and maybe also it's a weekend where you're just going to have some you know, chill time with Netflix or Amazon Prime time. You know, you're, it's, it's a binge weekend. Okay, I, Maybe you have this show that everybody's been talking about and you're going to watch this whole series of this show. So you get everything set up one evening this weekend and, and you watch the first episode of this new series. And as you're watching it, you know, it's kind of like... It's, you know, it's kind of a little rough, and you're like, oh, this wasn't exactly what I expected. But you let the first show go by, and then you know, it immediately starts into the second show, which is genius, right? And so it gets into the second show, and it's all like, man, it's starting to put images in your head that you, you really don't want in your head. And it's starting to share language that you really don't want in your heart. And guess what? Right there, right there in your home, you pick up your remote, and right there, you click off that Netflix, or you click off Amazon. And right there with the remote in your living room, in your hand, right there, Right? You just worshiped right there in your home. You're saying, God, you are worth more to me than my wants and desires. It's you and me living for God, not just in here, but also out there with our lives every single day. It's realizing that this is us. It's not your average worship because God is in you. And so when we're in here together, May we praise the Father and praise the Son and praise the Spirit. May we link arms in our voices and sing out to him. But also, as we go out into this world, may we this week continue to praise the Father and praise the Son and praise the Spirit, realizing that our lives are like this walking worship service. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for a time where we can come together on a weekend like this where all kinds of people are given 
glory and praise and time and attention and energy and affection to the big game. And God, I'm thankful for these athletes, so many of them, and even the voice they have for you. And I'm thankful for the gifts that you've given them as well. But God, I pray today that you would help us understand that a lot of times we give value and worth to a lot of things that are not you. And God, I pray that we would realize and just you would stir in our hearts this weekend to allow our lives to be these worship services to you. And God, I know, I know, I know, we're, I'm not going to, nor is anyone else here today going to do it perfectly this week. But God, help us to keep this idea and this picture in our head that we somehow have you living inside of us. And so this is not your average worship. Thank you, God, for your son. Thank you for your word. As we sing out this song to you now, I pray that you would hear this and, and come close to us as we come close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says amen. 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 amen.